Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Missing Moramari podcast. Tonight, as promised, we bring you UMass Outing Club cabin audio from our venture up there with John Smith, Rick Graves, Alex, and Dan, and of course, Lance and I. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to release this. It's something that's been kind of sitting in the drawer uh, in the meantime while we've been uh, on this brief hiatus and kind of chomping at the bit here to play some segments of it and hear what you guys have to think about it. Maybe we'll uh, comment some on it, but uh, very, very interesting stuff. So the first segment of audio that we're going to play for you is probably, I'm guessing, like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes into the hike. And the hike itself, while it's a pretty flat surface, uh, a, a pretty level surface as you're going into the cabin, I certainly wouldn't want to do that in the middle of the winter. I just want to put that out there. If it was February and there was snow on the ground, it was it was slippery. Um, there was many, many opportunities for rocks to slip, for your feet to get caught in roots, uh, sticking out of the ground. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be doing this unless I had snowshoes. I certainly wouldn't be hiking up there, uh, in the, in, in the middle of the night in February. Although it, it seems like a very logical place for Mora to be headed, unless that path was cleared and she had proper hiking equipment with her. And lights. And lights. I really don't see this as being anything realistic to do in the winter unless there was a a major plan to make it happen uh and what you'll hear here in the beginning uh within like the first 10 or 15 minutes of of our our hike is uh rick graves actually uh realizing that he couldn't go on anymore he was experiencing some uh, pretty significant hip pain and when we reached the cabin there's actually a pretty comical moment where john smith uh kind of climbs the So the cabin is built on a foundation of what looks like railroad ties interlocking at 90 degree angles to set the cabin up probably eight, six to eight feet, which John Smith climbed up and looked in the the living room window. What was really funny to me is that we went to the porch area where there was a front door and assumed it wasn't open and then proceeded to walk around the cabin. John Smith climbed up the... The, the foundation of the cabin and 
popped his head in the living room window and discovered there to be people already in there who then told us that the front door was open. We could have just knocked and come in. <laughs> but we do have a, a really a pretty, pretty wonderful conversation with the owner of the cabin, Eric, and he allowed us to use his audio. So we want to send a big thanks to him. It was pretty much by coincidence that we found him there in the first place. He periodically goes there over the summer uh, throughout the year just to light the fire, just to clean up, just to make sure that everything is running. And we happened to find him there on a weekend where no one else had uh, booked the cabin. And yeah, like you said, Tim, we had a really good conversation with him and uh, he was uh, very welcoming. And he did uh, happen to mention that that he had spoken to someone about this uh, case and the possibility of Mora being there. We think that was James Renner. And he mentioned that someone was there the weekend before and the weekend after Mora disappeared. So the couple of days before Mora went missing and about five or six days later. So yes, if Mora had gotten there on Monday night, she would have had to lit a fire in cold February, but certainly not impossible because someone did it the day before. Right. And who's to say that uh, there weren't people there waiting for her with a fire lit already? Okay, so here is that audio. a little bit because I haven't been into it you know that long since, since the beginning of the year I started coming back and reading because of the podcast and everything so I, mean, I was pretty much out of it and uh so yeah I've been doing a bunch of reading up on it and stuff like that yeah. seeing what's going on there's a lot of fucking creeps out there now and you know it's, you know I'm glad I, I've left it alone well I'll tell you <laughs> what buddy because it, it is it's, it's the only reason I mean I, I saw people ready to sue you. Oh, yeah, they want to sue me. Well, they're they're I just read that the other day. I'm like, what the hell? Let's do it. Hey, Lance, we're heading in. You done? You ready? Yeah. Got everything you need? Yeah, I'm going to hang by you guys if you guys want to stay close. Um, I think actually what I what uh, we were going to talk about was uh, about this cabin and and you guys not knowing about it way back when. Um, because supposedly, and there was an email sent to, uh, Fred, um, Fred and you and Dave, um, and I, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that got overlooked unless you're talking, this is the cabin that you were talking about when you said a cabin. Well, the cabin... In question, and I was talking about way back at the beginning, was a cabin that one of her friends had, or uh, somebody had up in this area. But we did not know about UMass owning the cabin up here. Now, there was rumors mentioned in the SoCo articles about her potentially having a boyfriend that worked at a mountain club area. And it also mentioned one in the Haverhill area. It's kind of unclear if they're talking about the same person. Would any of those people be attached to the cabin that you speak of? That's very possible. I don't think we ever could come up with a name or... Were you ever able to confirm that she did have a boyfriend that worked at the mountain club? Um, no. 
Nope. Nope. Um, yeah, and that's the thing is I don't I don't ever recall any names, just that they were two brothers or something. Well, we heard there was, two. there was the talk of the two brothers who were snowmakers at Loon Mountain. Right, and I was wondering if that could be even a if this boyfriend could be one of them. One of them. That was my thought. Yeah. John, what's up with Rockwood, Tennessee? <laughs> well, let me just say this. Um, in investigating this case and no checking all the locals that live in that area and people that I've investigated, I have had probably 10 people that have lived in Rockwood, Tennessee before that now live in Haverhill, New Hampshire. And you keep getting the same name hits? Yeah. Me too. And it's bizarre. And when you first, I think, mentioned the Rockwood, maybe on your Twitter account, it caught my attention because I was like, I've never come across this, and what's the deal? And uh, I became glued to Google for the evening. And uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all right. And finally came up with the Rockwood by cross-searching uh, Homosassa, Florida, and Crystal River, Florida, where Butch ended up yep. against Haverhill, New Hampshire. And then that's when I started getting all the radarists and, and white pages and U.S. search hits yep. on all these different folks. Um, is a name that comes up often. Um, well, I'll tell you something, and I, I don't mean to stop you right now, but... It's okay. Um, of course, live right there on... Uh-huh. And uh, from Nashville, New Hampshire is in the paper, if you look him up, he was arrested for impersonating a police officer. No kidding. And yes, and he actually, in the paper it actually said that he was known to ride around and go through the whole state of New Hampshire, buddy. John, um, I gotta tell you that that, the idea of a person driving around pretending to be a cop and pulling people over, I think that there's a lot of smoke there. An interesting thing that our talk with uh, Witness A kind of put in my mind a little bit was that she said initially, you know, when she was told the vehicle was out of commission that night, that it didn't initially make her think, you know, police involvement. It made her think that maybe the vehicle was in someone's garage and someone from the garage took it for a joyride. Right, because they say that they, they, the police pretty much told them that she couldn't have seen 001 because it was out of service. And like a lot of people do, they don't think, oh, police involvement. She said, out of commission. Well, maybe that means it's in... You know, so the person service. working on the vehicle, did he go for a joyride? Well, that's a good thought. But, but now we, that you, you know, just mentioned the name again, yeah. That's the problem with this case is I keep running into these things that are just so, like, bizarre. So is there just a lot of people back and forth between Haverhill and Rockwood, Tennessee? Is that what... Yep. It seems like they've all lived in all lived those there. places in one time or another. One time or another. And I actually started a topics. Is there any sort of human trafficking noted? Uh, well, you know, that's what I've been looking into. Because of the fact that all these people have come here and why. You know, it's, it's weird. And is it always the same direction? They come from Tennessee and end up here? Well, I mean, know? that's hard to trace. Yeah, it's hard to get a grip on when they were exactly there. But 
like you say, the Rockwood, Tennessee thing, and you said you found the connected to that as well? Mm -hmm. I hadn't found that connection. Yep, if you Google Homosassa, Haverhill, New Hampshire, and uh, Crystal River, Florida, you come up with, with those really? and uh, a who may have a maiden name or may have married, but that one comes up a lot. Okay. Huh. Another one that comes up is who's lived in a number of places, including the town that I grew up in, which I found incredible considering there's not that many people there, hundreds. Right. My grandparents actually moved. Hey guys, I gotta turn around. My, my hips are bothering me too much. I can't do it. Really? Yeah. That usually bothers me on a hike too. Yeah, I'm going into a lot of pain. I didn't realize it was going to be uphill yeah, and everything. Yeah. This treacherous. Sorry. Oh, that's all right, brother. Oh, you got you good. Oh, that's all right. No. And I know it's only a little bit further, but oh, that's good. Right. Shitty. Well, what I have very interesting to me is that in November of 2004, these guys were sent an email about this cabin. Yes, and the cabin's right here too. Um, uh, that was sent by uh, um, Helena to everyone because she'd received information from the UMass Outing Club. And she in turn sent the email to uh, Rick, Fred, Dave, the other searcher, and uh, Patty and Barbara, the two cousins. So they had that in November of 2004. Now I read somewhere that the police ruled this out in both 2004 and 2006. That's what I'm trying to find out right now. Um, I have somebody that is actually talking to uh, John Scarinza, who's retired now, and she's trying to gain that information from him. Uh, you know, it's nothing big. You know, it's just a matter of did you search it and when. Oh. Like I heard that crack over there. I was like, bear. According to the email that I have from the UMass Outing Club person that actually was the one who came up here. That is to be the truth, that they were here the weekend before and the weekend, or that weekend that she was here, as well as the one after. And that he had driven up first. He was the first one to get here. And he opens up the cabin for when the students get here. I'm gonna take a breather. Oh my God. Just look under here, Dan. Look under here, the, the posts, they're all like leaning. The cabin's like. It's getting a little standish. Yeah. Oh boy. All of them. I got a house just like it. <laughs> you got to do that. Woodshed. Jenga. Jenga, yeah. Well, at least they got these under here. That'll help. Wheelbarrow. 
outhouse. Privy. Morning. How you doing? How are you? Good. We're, we're filming a documentary about the Moore Murray case. Uh, she went missing from Haverhill, New Hampshire. Oh. Um, and, uh, uh, what's her name? Maura Murray. No, no, she, she, was the, she was the one that disappeared. Yeah, 12 years ago, actually. I talked to somebody on the phone about that case a few weeks back. Uh, they had left a message for me to uh, give them a call back to see what we knew about the cabin. Oh, okay, yeah. The club at the time. Yeah. Not sure. I can't remember who I talked to. Did you talk to Helena, probably, or um, or Norma, maybe? No, it was a man. Oh, maybe it was Fred then. It might have been Fred. Huh. My name's John Smith. I'm one of the investigators working on the case. If, if you want to come in, go, the porch door is open. Do, do you mind if we all come, come in? We're in. filming and everything, so sure, is that okay? Fine. That's fine. <laughs> we get to talk to him. Yay! How you doing, John Smith? Nice yeah, to meet you. Eric Yerfie. Eric. Hey, John. Yeah, I think uh, we had received a letter from. Uh, William Burtz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, quite he's, a while he's ago. The, uh, he's the Yowden Club uh, faculty. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah. Nice yeah. yeah, cool. Because when I saw the window open, just I said, we can stick the GoPro in there, at least get a picture inside. And you <laughs> scared the <laughs> shit out of me. I was like, I was like <laughs> how did those guys get in? I thought, it was, I thought you were one of them. I said, how did they get in no. there? What are they doing in there? We own the place. Oh, you own the place? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I didn't know that. Hi, Eric Griffey. Good to meet so, you. So you own the cabin and the so property we, and then... We're the caretakers for the cabin. The, oh. The cabin and the property are owned by UMass. Yeah. Um, through the UMass Outing Club. And I'm sort of the caretaker. We do a work weekend every year to cut firewood, bring propane up, and just keep it usable for the students during, gotcha. during the rest of the year. Gotcha. Cool. Wow. Yeah, I was up here. I... Uh, I think in 2007 is the first time I ever hiked okay. up here when I first heard about it. So, yeah, I guess it might have been if it was Fred I talked to. Um, Fred with James Renner. Oh, you might. He yeah. might. James. Yeah. James. James Renner. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that, that's yep. him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, he explained how Mara had disappeared, and um, it's possible she could have been headed here because she was part of UMass, and and her involvement with the club was questionable. We didn't know. Right. Whether she'd been part of the group at the time or how active she was, um, if she'd been part of any work weekends or if she was really involved with the club, I would probably have known her. No, yeah. Um, but th there are, you know, there's probably forty or fifty people that do a lot of stuff with the club, and then maybe another hundred that are on the fringes and go on a trip or two and maybe know about the stuff we do, but don't mm -hmm. actually participate. Right. Gotcha. So you, you might have already answered this, but you were part of the outing club in 2004? I was, yeah. Hmm. So there, there are a few alumni who keep coming back and helping out. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Of course. Me and Jeff and then Bill Burtz has been involved since the mid-80s. Since the mid Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's a neat little place, that's yeah, for sure. Really um, you mind if I, we just take a look around a little bit? Have a look. Yeah. Are you still um, in touch with um, uh, St. Baghdadi? Oh, um, I haven't spoken with him probably in 10 years. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's not, uh, he's not, uh, he, part he's of what you do. Not, not one of the active alums, I guess, but yeah. I'm sure he's in touch with other people who were club members at the time. Yeah. Do you know when the last time he was active in the young club? He did a big canoe trip with me in 2003, maybe. Oh. 
Yeah, we're, we're going back a dozen years yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's quite a while. Has he and been to this cabin done before? Other, like pretty intense hiking, backpacking stuff. Yeah. Do you know if he knew of this cabin? I'm sure he knew about it. I can't say whether he was actually here because I was never here at the same time he was. Yeah. Um, but anyone who's an active member of the club would know about the cabin, whether they actually come here. That's right. a yeah. sad story. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, and Bill Virch said that, you know, pretty much the, the roster's up of who's going, and then he just, you know, after it's over, they after just kind of, yeah, because what do you need to keep a record for, really? You don't, especially then when they, they probably didn't computerize it. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, maybe now, right, yeah, but. You know, maybe now, if it was these days, you could, somebody could dig into their files somewhere and maybe find yeah. something, but. Well, our main goal is now, I've been, I've been with the case for 12 years now since the beginning, and uh, I'm a local, and, uh, you know, we have to turn over every stone. And, and like I said, I came here in 2007 um, by myself and took a few pictures outside and did a little cursory searching, but I just, I don't know, I just, I don't have the gut feeling that she came here. No, uh, I, I kind of feel this is a blind yeah. going down Yeah, to I mean... Uh, I don't know, it's just my... She was, she yeah. was, the clues are she was headed this way, right? In this general direction. In this general direction. And she had made calls to the Bartlett area and <clears throat> surrounding areas looking for lodging. And then this okay. came because of the, a story recently where some kids had some drug reactions here. This kind of, this cabin went in the news. Right. And that kind of hit the blogosphere, you know, around the Moore <laughs> case. And they're like, oh, well, maybe that was the potential lodging. Oh, a piece of UMass property Could up be. there. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it, it became all connected yeah. again. So, uh, so I yeah. Actually, thought in February, I heard it was you know you had to it was, you had to reach the cabin by hiking. I was like, in February, there's no way she would you know be going up to that. But it's not a very long hike. It's not a long hike. And, there and then we heard, according to the records, the cabin was rented both the weekend before and after her disappearance. So we don't. And is the cabin usually inhabited midweek? No, no, it's typically not inhabited during the week. But it is occupied almost every weekend during the school year. Is there a caretaker in the winter like there is now? No. There's never a caretaker here, not in the summer either. Oh. He and I are just up here scoping it out for a work weekend we're doing. Oh, yeah? Um, you know, every year I didn't know if it was like an AMC you know, type hut no. where they keep someone around. Um, back in 80s, I would say, um, there was a caretaker who did stay here during the summer. It was a UMOC employee. And he'd live in a little shed out and back, and then people would actually run the place. But it's been a long, long time long since anyone that. did that. Yep. Huh. And you're from up here, or are you from no, Mass? No, I'm from Massachusetts. Oh, you're from Mass. Yep. You just own the property. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm a UMass alum, and yep. I've continued my affiliation with the Outing yep. Club. And yeah, just like, just like the, yeah. the Dartmouth Outing Club. Dumps yeah. On yep. and stuff like that. Well, I think the biggest thing that we have to look at as far as... Uh, more having any connection to this is the fact that she was an avid hiker. So, I mean, it does, yeah. you know, kind of add a bit of a connection to it. But again... So if she'd been involved and knew about the place, then she'd know you could get up here. But if if she didn't have some other connections, there's no way no she way. would know this place either existed or right. that there was a trail, trail. there in the winter. Yeah. yeah. And there was speculation that she might have... She had been connected to having a relationship with Hussein or Hussein Baghdadi for a short period of time. Okay. And there was speculation that she might have been trying to get away from maybe Bill Roush and you know her old life and get a have a little bit of a getaway with him. That was kind of some of the questions people were 
Okay. Has anyone talked to Hussein yet? They, I believe, people have reached out to him, but okay. he has never responded. He talked to he talked to James Renner, the guy that you spoke yeah. to uh, previously uh, years ago. Years ago. But has not. Uh, he hasn't gotten a hold of him lately. And we've tried to read. James re Renner has reached out since the story of the. So since they had the uh, drug reaction case yeah. here, yeah. He's reached out to him again since and has gotten no response. But so I, I have no idea where he is these days. If she hadn't planned something with him, I don't really see her coming out here at all, really. No. Of her own volition, you know, no. by herself. No, not unless she was with, I, I, yeah, if she was with girls and they were, you know, just coming to party or something and they knew about this cabin, I could see it, you know, because it's out of the way and no one would bother them. But, boy, that's a lot to go through. That's that. a lot to go through the party, and <laughs> one of them would have to know how to get the to fire going. It's minus 10 degrees. Exactly, the right. right. And plus, you got to have, to get in, you got to have the got to have the thing to that. Right, and, and, she, and she was in the area, you know, after dark, so should have had, had yeah. headlamps, Hands and sort of equipment, and I assume the trail is pretty icy. It's pretty slick on the way the up here. The trace, now. yeah, the trail is... <laughs> sure, it's not very I, good. I, I've always kind of thought that was Excuse strange, me. But it, like you said, she was looking for lodging in the area, so there are dots. It's just what I'm pretty certain that Hussein knew about this place. Whether he ever went here, I don't know. People tend, club people tend to get channeled into whatever ever events they're really interested in. Yeah, whether so, they're a hiker. Yeah, so Hussein was a hiker, backpacker type. He did a lot of that, yeah. and um, an occasional canoe trip. But to my knowledge, he was never here when I was. I must start a new a book every year. It's <laughs> nice in the wintertime when the leaves are off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much brighter in the winter when, when the leaves are gone and the sun can shine through. Yeah. What's that? I know. I know. I'd love to see the 2004 one. Yeah, exactly. Is there a book for every year? So it's. It's kind of a cabin log, a guest book people can write in their after they've been here, talk about what they did. That is there a... Uh, do some of the crazier things, whatever's in yeah. there. Uh, um, is there a... Uh, is there more of these books? There are... Yeah, there, there are books going back. We used to have them on the shelf here, but uh, just to keep them from getting ruined, we brought them back to UMass and... Yeah. There's a gear locker now, or put in the library, but... Has anybody asked to look at them? As far as I know, I, I don't know yeah. where they are. Oh, yeah. Because when they came here, did you notice anything out yeah. of, yeah, I was, you know. To, as, knowing that that book like that exists, if there's one from 2004. Maybe we should, that. Well, maybe yeah. we'll make that another mission is to try and track that down at UMass. Maybe we'll put K KF or something. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Well, yeah, like you say, even if it uh, it doesn't produce anything, I think it's a great thing to have. Is it actually, you know, we, we're looking at the 2014 one now, but or whatever. But to have the 2004, the year yeah, she went missing, see would be what somebody wrote in the weekends surrounding. Yeah, that and, would be interesting. Yeah, whatever happened. Yeah, I was like, I mean, we came up to the cabin and. There were strange footprints walking out into the woods, but no like one was here. Like I said, I never, I never really got the but sense that was her goal. The only thing that kind of you're able to, you know, maybe make some sort of connection is that maybe they would have known that midweek it wouldn't be occupied. And people are like, well, why would she leave on a Monday? Right. That's the only sort of speculation yeah, because, that kind yeah, of leads to, well, maybe she, you know, but there's no other evidence to support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if, you know, say Good someone was stay, you know, it was already open, you know, right. and someone came and did that. Oh, look at that. 
the books here? <laughs> no, but they found the copy in her car, so yeah. unless she had two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or she sold yeah, them out of her trunk. Good thing survived. you showed up. <laughs> have, have, have either of you ever read that? I tried. I had started getting like, uh, I wasn't yeah. in a good mental spot to, about half to do it. Did you get the sense that death and the, the, the deaths in those books were romanticized or glorified or? No. It, it's a cautionary tale about being caught basically in the presidentials yeah. in bad weather and it can happen anytime. It's basically about like August snowstorms and this guy's father died and. Yeah, yeah. It does not translate to her. She, her favorite mountain was Mount Washington. And I said this to uh, Tim yesterday. If anyone who's ever hiked Mount Washington, it is the least serene mountain you can go on. Oh, no, yeah. There's a parking lot up top with a cafeteria. and yeah, it's like Disneyland. I hiked up there. I went up the toughest way. I got up there, ate my meal, got out of there as fast as possible. Yeah, when I did that, I, we got up there, and it was like, it, once we're up there, it was gorgeous, you know, to see. And then the weather changed. Like, that, like... It went, it went. But you never got the sense of I'll just sit here. No. This will be where I'll sit here no, and die. There's a there's a cog that goes up. Ex like yeah, and screams whistles yeah. every hour on the hour. Yeah. 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 To be honest, Mount Kerrigan, which is the mountain yeah. where the where those coordinates are, yeah. would be more of a. That's actually my favorite mountain of all the 48 4,000 footers to really? hike. You have the best view of all the other mountains from that mountain. Well, you can see um, like 46 of the other 48. Really? It's only because Mount Washington blocks the other two. Oh, yeah. It is the, one of the best, yeah. oh. but it's also much more of a... It's a seven-mile hike to get to the... Either way you go, there's two trails to get that. It's seven miles to that point where the coordinates are. Yeah. In February, I... No. Yeah. It, it, even if that was my favorite mountain, I still wouldn't go there to just sit down and die. And, yeah. No remains have ever been found? No. no. So it's not even certain? No. no. It's still we an, act, it's still an active investigation. Right. Right. You're, you're alive now. But they treat it as a criminal investigation. And the, the New Hampshire State Police have gone on record saying they believe, you know, something she met with foul circumstances. Okay, and now we're going to play John Smith and Alex going into a sauna, which is up there, which is really kind of old, and I guess spooky would be a fine word to use. Yeah, it's definitely spooky. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely homemade. It's up a, a little bit of a hill behind the cabin. I'd say probably 20 yards or so behind the cabin, um, maybe a little bit more. Very rustic. This is when we say sauna, we're not talking about finished wood and a nice stone uh, steam bath. Uh, this was something that we went inside. And the first thing that happens, which is pretty funny, is the door is weighted. So when you open the door, a weight comes down on the other side because it, it controls the uh, door staying shut. So when you open it, the weight moves and you get to see this weight move and you're adrenaline is, is amped up anyway and then when you open a door and you see something move behind it i don't care how many times you go in there it starts yeah, and the pitch you. black too and it's pitch black yeah it's pitch black there's tarps hanging in between the uh the main door and the sauna room it's dusty there's newspapers on the on the on the walls there's pictures on the walls it seems incredibly uncomfortable to me i, I second i walked in there i i thought i would never come here to relax also, there was a well up there, and that was definitely a pretty interesting moment, so take a listen to that.
They said back before 1980, there was a caretaker who stayed here summer, you know, all summer. Is that, is that the sauna? No, it's up there. It's like that blue. You'll see it in the Oh, it's up there a ways. Yeah. And I was saying about, you know, winter hiking up, this would be different. This is, this is kind of treacherous now. All the wooden stuff is really slippery. Hello? <laughs> a little scary looking in there. What's in there? Nothing really? Um, no, it's it's uh, kind of just a, a stove, old stove with no chimney on it, and then like a four bent seat. Picture of Bob Dole. Picture of Bob Dole in the sauna? Yep. What the fuck? These newspapers are from 1983. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but they're tin. What is that all about? These are tin newspapers. What is that? Is it some sort of like wall covering? Did you guys see this? I can't tell how deep it is. You can see some sort of a pipe right there. Can't tell if it goes down a foot or 30. Hmm. There's one way to find out. Oh, they have a well for this thing? I'm not sure. You can see a pipe. It might just end right there or it might go well past that. I didn't feel bottom. Do something, something grabbed it. At least five <laughs> feet. Oh. oh, there is a bottom. Okay. Right there. So. That's about five, five, five feet. Can you feel anything on the bottom when you move that around? It was, it was kind of squishy. But, but hard. And now here is an interview with Dan, who elected to not give his last name for this audio. And uh, we find some of this audio, actually this interview, to be very interesting. And I was uh, sort of elated at one part of it, kind of really made me laugh. Um, maybe you'll be able to figure that part out for yourself. But uh, what did you think, Lance? I like Dan. I think Dan really has a good uh, head on his shoulders. Uh, he approaches things in a very quiet, uh, pragmatic way. And, um, yeah, he's not the, he's not your typical... I'm obsessed with the case type person. Uh, he, he came with us. He volunteered his time and uh, pretty sure bought us some beers after. Uh, so anyone who does that is a pretty good dude in my book. The interview kind of encapsulates a lot of what the people who uh, followed the case are like once they, once they start like rolling with it. first got interested in the case the first time um, it was reported in the Caledonian record way back in February 2004. Um, 
I was a substitute teacher at a high school locally and I was proctoring study hall and the kids would go out for lunch and I'd leave campus to go get my own food and a newspaper and come back and read current events with the students. And when this case first came up, I said basically what the cops said too was that this is a, an out-of-state college kid who's been drinking and driving and spun her car out and bailed on it and she'll be back in a couple of days. And that's exactly what I said to the 30 kids that were in that class. Um, come to find out that that's not the case and I kind of lost touch with it for a few years but um, after going back online and reading some of the older message boards and um, John's uh, adventures on topics over the years and so on and so forth I really um, got a better grasp of the case and then of course James's blog really um, brought a lot of information out um, and I've just kind of been stuck on it. Um, it's uh, something that's taken taken place um, very close to where I grew up and where I live so it's very tangible to me um, it's not um, it's not something that's like uh, late night entertainment like it, if there's something really going on here I'd really like to know what it is and um, honestly I feel a lot for for Fred Murray and their family um, they want their daughter back and and I think they deserve closure and and some kind of um, a better answer than what they've been given so far and um, I'm just really interested in it and, and hope to learn more in the future. Cool. Um, would you would you uh, would you call yourself obsessed? Yeah, I'd call myself obsessed, and probably a lot of people who are close to me would say that I'm obsessed too. When did the when was the moment? Do you rem Do you remember the moment that you realized you were obsessed? Yeah, um, it was probably right around the uh, the tenth anniversary, and uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of chatter online. And I thought that um, you know I don't really know much about the crash site itself, so I got in my car and just drove down there and saw what struck me about it. And um, you know, just I kind of took notes and mileage, and then next thing you know, I've got a binder of information. Um, the uh, the reports that James got um, from the different police departments and so on and so forth, I've got all that stuff printed out and highlighted and notated and um, yeah, it was probably around that time that I really knew that um, it was, it's more than a hobby and more than just an interest. Um, it's, it consumes a lot of my day, honestly. Um, does it take a toll on other parts of your life? relationships, jobs, things like that? Um, <laughs> well, um, I had a girlfriend for a long time that um, at least appreciated my um, interest in the case, um, but it was more along the lines of something that she teased me about, um, nothing that she ever got upset about. Um, my current girlfriend, she just kind of plays it off as something that I do. Um, it hasn't gotten in the way of our relationship or um, with my new daughter or anything like that. Um, it gets a little slow at work sometimes though and I'm afraid that if the uh, corporate IT folks were to take a closer look at the amount of clicks that I take um, on any given day they might ask some questions but um, I definitely don't put aside my work in order to um, Google things but there's definitely a great deal of research that goes on while I'm at work and hopefully um, I'm meeting all of my uh, obligations and responsibilities there and, and not shirking too much in the name of uh, trying to find out more about this case.
So I, I heard you're, uh, you're expecting? Um, actually, we just um, had the child two months ago, and she's beautiful. And um, we went in on a, a Monday morning to be induced um, the day after the, the due date. And my girlfriend was uh, in the bed getting the on-demand nitrous oxide while I'm sitting in the corner on my phone looking up Maura Murray information online, trying to... In the delivery room. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love that. I am not upset. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, that part just uh, cracks me up when he says he checked in the delivery room. You know what cracked me up is when he when he said yes, sir. When you just double, you had to double check with him what he just said, and he says yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Great moment. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and we can't wait to bring you something new very soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.